Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Hello, and welcome to a little behind-the-scenes mini-sode of Stuff You Missed in History Class. I'm Tracy V. Wilson. And I'm Holly Fry. This is a little new something that we're trying. Uh-huh. Uh, we're going to be adding it into our feed on Fridays. One of the things that we get requests from listeners for a lot of the time is a little bit more kind of casual insight into our process or how we feel about shows that we have worked on. And so every week we're going to kind of do a little roundup, a little five to ten minute talk about the shows that debuted that week. Yes. So this week we have two shows. Unusually, they were both researched and written by me. Uh, Often one episode is, is my research and one is Holly's research, but just because of the way the calendar fell, they were both mine this week. And the first one was uh, about the Witchfinder General, (laughs) (laughs) which is not something that I had on, like, my long-term... It didn't turn out to be a Halloween episode because it came out in November, but it's kind of Halloween-y in its theming, and it wasn't on my long-term list of things to talk about in the more October time period. It was something that earlier in the month I just sort of stumbled across, possibly while Googling the novel, The Discovery of Witches by Deborah Harkness, <laughs> which <laughs> is a totally unrelated thing. One of the things that struck me while I was working on this episode, I have joked before, if Game of Thrones were real, and if I had lived in Game of Thrones, I would have been beheaded in season one. <laughs> And when I was working on this episode, I was thinking about how if I lived in early modern Europe, I 100% would be accused of witchcraft uh, because not only am I kind of a cranky into my middle years person who can sometimes be short with people who rub me the wrong way, also I had adopted not one, but two black cats in the weeks immediately before (laughs) recording this episode. Um, And cats were viewed very suspiciously, and black cats especially, very, very suspiciously. Uh, And then on top of that, we have been um, clicker training them, and they can mostly sit on command about 80% of the time, and I think that would have been incredibly frowned upon (laughs) by my neighbors. For the record, cats, very easy to clicker train. It's just a different deal than with dogs. Yeah. (laughs) I I have trained ours to sit on command and go in their crates on command so that I don't have to fight them into crates. Um, They are especially good right now at recognizing that one of us is intending to practice sitting. Like if they realize that there are treats and a clicker in hand, immediate sitting happens. Yeah. (laughs) So I've been trying to kind of sneak up with the sitting uh, one of our previous cats, uh, we had taught him several tricks. We had taught him sit, lie down, and roll over. And he would get so excited when the treats and the clicker came out that he would just start cycling through those tricks over and over. <laughs> like, one of these is going to be right, and I'd really like to get a snack right away. Um, one of the things I wanted to mention about Witchfinder, we mentioned it in the episode, is that it is this weird juxtaposition of... Some really terrible stuff. Like, women were treated very badly, and the handling of this issue was done in a way that kind of seemed like they wanted to drum up their own business, which is terrible. Mm -hmm. But the flip is that there's a lot of really whimsical and nutty stuff that is worthy of, like, the most creative fantasy novel you could imagine— yeah. And it gets into that weird space where you're kind of enjoying it, but you also feel guilty for enjoying it. Exactly. I had that exact response. And I also, as I was working on the script, initially had a lot more 
quotations from the documentations of the trials at the time um, because they they were just so weird and delightful sometimes in a weird way. I mean, what they were talking about was horrifying, but I remember transcribing into the outline and then later deleting it this whole testimony somebody had given about how somebody had nipples in her secret places, but they were not piles because I know what piles are having experienced them myself. (laughs) And it just went on. And I was like, this is so weird and funny in a bizarre way and not funny at all at the same time because, like, they're using this testimony to convict a woman of witchcraft. Well, and moreover, for me, the part that made me kind of feel like uneasy about it is it really became this strange, obsessive cataloging of women's bodies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Which is a whole other thing that, you know, robs women of their agency and is very creepy and strange and also makes the men involved seem like very a very twisted version of lascivious in some cases. Yeah. Uh, it's tricky, but I did come away with a desire to get a tattoo of Vinegar Tom, who yeah, was Vinegar- <laughs> one of the familiars we discussed. Yeah, as soon as I sent you the artwork for the episode that had the picture of Vinegar Tom in it, your immediate response was, now I have to get a Vinegar Tom tattoo. I know, I just got to figure out where it's going to go. Yeah. I can't keep getting tattoos of every show we do. Yes, I keep finding <laughs> ideas of things that I want. To turn into tattoos. You know what I will never want to get a tattoo of? What's that? A baby. Nope. <laughs> uh, That's been our other show this week. Yes, our other show this week was uh, on on Dr. Cooney's Baby Side Shows, which is something folks have been asking us to do for the entire time that we have been on this podcast. And it comes in waves, right? Like, uh, there'll be a, a write-up on it on the internet somewhere, and we'll get a lot of requests. Um, a book came out about it called The Strange Case of Dr. Cooney, um, which... Uh, I I was able to, like, sort of check in a couple of pages of that book. I wasn't able to get the book from the library in time to actually use it as part of the research, but I had plenty of other resources to draw from. So people have been asking us to do it for so long, and it, really it was just one of those things where I was like, I've, I've had a lot going on. Um, not as much in the immediate recent past, but uh, the, several of the more distressing episodes that we have done this year have been uh, my research and we were getting ready to go on tour and i was like i need something that i can that i can get together before we get on tour and this thing that people have been asking for for so long seems like good material for it um the thing that struck me while working on this was when we talk about somebody on this show who had no medical background and started in a huckster kind of way trying to sell something with their non-medical background normally at best, what that person was accomplishing was nothing, right? Right. When we talk about somebody who was marketing some kind of cure-all or somebody who was positioning themselves as some kind of healer and they actually had no background to do any of that, normally, best-case scenario is nothing. And then worst-case scenario is a bunch of people die. So having this episode where Dr. Cooney doesn't seem to have had a medical degree Maybe he did. Maybe the, just the records were lost. It doesn't seem that he was a doctor, though. The math doesn't add up on his, his just, medical training. <laughs> I want to believe that he was really a doctor, but I, I don't think that he was. But he he successfully saved a lot of babies. Like, the, the survival rate in his incubator sideshows was way above what would happen if these babies were just sent home without any further 
care. And that that's not a story that we tell very often on the show. It Normally, if, if we're talking about somebody who had no background or experience doing something like that, the story goes a lot differently. Yeah, I um, the whole thing is is fascinating in the not fascinating way to me because as I've been very frank about, I have a phobia about babies. <laughs> I know to some people that makes me a monster. I just, I'm not a baby's person. So the idea of paying to look at premature babies is really odd to me. I'm like, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you buy some socks instead with that money? <laughs> but at the same time, like, you have to acknowledge that that was a thing. I, I will also say that there is a title of a book that I had to talk about in this episode where the word nursling is involved. And for some reason, that just skeeved me out so bad. <laughs> I felt bad. I felt bad that you got the nursling part. I mean, if that's the worst thing that befalls me in a day, I really have nothing to complain about. But it was just one of those things where I was like, I don't even fully understand why this gives me, like, the creepies. <laughs> Here I am. Um, so we also, uh, back after we talked about Dr. Virginia Apgar, at some point after that when we had a T-shirt store, we had a T-shirt designed that says, look at the babies, because... Like, that became sort of the theme of that show, about how Virginia Apgar had had been like, if you all will just look at these babies, you will prevent a lot of problems that are happening with their medical care. Uh, and for some reason, that was just delightful to me. And so we have this Look at the Babies shirt in our store. And that Look at the Babies shirt could also work for this episode. It could. Have I ever told you I'm scared to wear mine? No. Because I'm scared someone will show me babies. Oh, no. I'll be like, yeah. here's my baby. And I'll be like, no, you've misunderstood horribly. I don't want to be a monster, but I don't want to look at your baby. You, you <laughs> could do what I do when I get a shirt and then I realize there's something maybe questionable about the shirt, which is wear it to sleep. Oh, no, I know. I'm, okay. sc- I'm scared I'll invite some sort of baby energy into my world. Oh, no. and I'll just wake up with babies in my room. I don't There'll be a ghost baby in your house. Maybe. Ooh. Maybe. I'll find somebody who wants it and make sure they get it. Well, that's good. Um, I think we've kind of covered some ground on both of our episodes. Uh-huh. Uh, next week, we have some more exciting, fun things coming up, and we will talk about those next Friday. So, Yep. Hopefully you have enjoyed this kind of look behind the scenes at our insights and thoughts into what we work on on our day-to-day basis. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, let us know if you want us to cover any particular territory, like our research process, or uh, if you have a question about one of the shows, we could probably involve some Q&A here if there's time ever. We sure uh, could. It's pretty open-ended and nebulous, so we have a little bit of playtime here on Fridays. Yeah, and if you're wondering, hey, is this going to change something about the existing episodes that I know and love? That answer is no. Not even a little. This is a complete add-on and nothing <laughs> nothing that impacts the, the recording of the regular show. So we hope you'd enjoyed it. Uh, if you would like to write to us, you can do so at historypodcast at howstuffworks.com. We are also on every social media as Missed in History and our website is mistinhistory.com. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 